Pastor Kurt. I serve as lead pastor here at the Vineyard. And I'm continuing us in a series of conversations that we've been in as a church over the last few weeks in a series called Jesus is Lord Over Everything. We believe that Jesus is the story from creation to new heaven and new earth, that God is making all things new, and that we're learning how to follow Jesus with all of our life. One of the things we're saying is Jesus is Lord over everything, or I am Lord over everything, and it can't be kind of an in-between moment. Either I'm living under the authority of Jesus, or Jesus is living under the authority of me, or to whatever else you ascribe as the most important thing in your life. And I want to remind us of uh, this thought as we move into week five. Today we're going to be talking about judgment over, sorry, that flipped that. Who likes to be judged all the time? See, I've already been messed up. You're judging me going, you can't even read your own notes, Kurt. (laughs) Forgiveness over judgment. Forgiveness over judgment. When Jesus is Lord over everything, what we see is there is forgiveness over judgment. This is where we're going today. We're going to be in Luke 7. And I just want to remind you of the anchoring thought for our team as we preached week in and week out during this series. And it's this, we can live under the authority of God when we live anchored in the love of God. We can live under the authority of God in all of our life when we understand it's an invitation to be anchored in the love of God. God is love. Scripture declares this, and the only way God can interact with you, relate to you, and work in your life is through a posture and character of love. That is how God wants to interact with you in every aspect of your life. And when we understand that and we're anchored in his love, living under the authority of God, well, that's joy. That's freedom. So I want you to turn to Luke 7 with me. We're going to be starting in verse 36. We're going to explore a story of Jesus as he walked his life out here on earth. And we're going to discover this idea that forgiveness over Judgment, forgiveness over judgment. Here we go, starting in verse 36 of Luke 7. When one of the Pharisees, and a Pharisee would have been a religious leader in that day and time, invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Anybody hope to recline at a table in the coming months, summer barbecues, cookouts? Yeah. You know what that's like? I mean, just imagine Jesus, right? He's like, what's up? Let's eat. You know, like he's reclined at the table. So he's obviously very comfortable, okay? A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Anybody ever had an unwanted, uninvited guest show up to your party? Just walk in, hey, what's up? Where's you? Are y'all following what's happening in the story? Like, don't just read it flat. Like, life is happening. This is like a real thing. Just shows up. As she stood behind him, stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, we all do this, right? It's that internal voice. You're talking to yourself in your own head. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, yikes, oh man. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. 
Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And this is where we all start to cheer. This is where hope comes alive, at least for my story, a sinner. At least in my life, in my heart, and my mind, I begin to understand a hope that meets me right where I am. That Jesus, King Jesus, Creator God in the flesh, is willing to share the table with known sinners and religious elites, the powerful and the powerless. Jesus is going to confront every sensibility in us and in our culture today in this single text. And this should be hope to us. This gives us hope that there is a God writing a better story, a kingdom story that we, the church, are being invited into. That we can know that Jesus shows the way of his kingdom and his love and his call to transformation. There's so much unfolding in this story. I hope that you don't just kind of read it from a distance. But I do want to ask us kind of like, how are we showing up today? Like as you are here and maybe you're online and you're interacting, this text, Luke 7, the life of Jesus in an interesting dinner party. I'd like to ask us, what is our posture today? Like what's our posture with God? Let's start there. Do you kneel before God? Or maybe kneel behind him at his feet and it's just tears and it's weeping? Do you stand against? Who do you think you are? Forgiving sins. Or do you just stand at a distance? See, one of the important questions of life is to understand where do we stand? What's the posture of our life? If God is real and God is at work in the world, how are you relating to God? What's your posture? And then what's interesting is this story doesn't just leave it there because the life of following Jesus is never meant to be just personal about you. It also involves all the people around you. It involves all the people around you. And so I think we need to also ask, what is our posture with God and others? 
do I know better? Do I know better and do I make sure it's my job to go around and judge correctly and see correctly and know exactly who that sinful person is and why they shouldn't be forgiven? Do I know better? Do I know better on all topics? Is that how I relate to people? Or do I love better? Do I understand that there is this work of God inside of me that the more I discover the freedom and forgiveness that he is orchestrating in my life, the more free I am to love generously and to relate to God and to others from a posture of humble generosity. Like, what's your posture? And I know, I, I know it's, like, it's like, man, it's not even like lunchtime on Sunday. Like, just, man, it's been the weekend. We've kind of been busy. Like, lay off, Kurt. Like, whoa. But I'm just asking, like, how... Are you reflecting on your life? Or do you just reflect your life on social media? And if I went and looked there, I could kind of see, like, how we're doing. Oh, wait, no, that, see, that's way too much. What's our posture? Because I'm telling you, if we are going to engage the text the way I think God's heart is for us, and forgiveness does come over and stand over judgment, Forgiveness over judgment calls us to a way that will be very countercultural because it calls us to God in his kingdom. It calls us to the way of Christ. It calls us to the way of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it will disrupt everything in our lives. Sounds great, right? Where do we sign up? You're like, I don't know. Well, here's the good news, okay? Let's just, let's just, let's just name what's real and what I believe is true. We all pass judgment. If you have ever judged somebody or something in your life, just raise your hand. Give it a thumbs up online. Okay, no, 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 keep it up. Like, own this moment. This should feel good. This is a safe place. Own it. All right? Okay? We all pass judgment. Be free. Just own it. Begin to understand that the condition of our heart and soul and our life is that we all pass judgment. We see it in Luke 7. And here's one of the things that's really difficult. Is we all pass self-judgment. Verses 37 and 38 show a sinful woman weeping, totally dejected at the feet of Jesus. All hope seems to be just held in this sliver of a moment that I cannot do this my own. And if there is anything and any possibility that my life turns out any differently, it is an utter humiliation at the feet of Jesus. And that's freedom. She knew who she was. Self-judgment. I think one of the things we struggle with regularly is self-judgment. The question is, do we stay there? Does our voice, does our judgment of ourselves hold highest authority, or does Jesus begin to declare a better way over our self-judgment? Is Jesus Lord over everything, or are there places we still hold on to? Verses 37 and 38, we all pass self-judgment. Verse 43, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven, and Jesus says, you have judged correctly. 
we all pass judgment of others and of situations. We all pass judgment of others and of situations. If you had to make a judgment call this week about a situation, you had to make a decision, and you had to make a judgment about somebody in a hiring process or in a, I don't know, I'm not going to go there, just in a hiring process, you know, let's keep it, let's keep it tame. If, if you've ever passed judgment of others or situations, raise your hand. Welcome to the club. Like, come on. Church, we should not be worried here. Like, this is an understanding of the church that we need to have. That when we walk into this place, this is not a place of self-righteousness, but this is a place of transformation that we bring who we are to the dinner table. We, like, sneak in as, like, the sinner guest and go, God, like, let me just weep at your feet. Judgment of others in situations. Verse 43, it's in the text. We all pass judgment of Jesus. We all are judging whether or not Jesus is Lord or not that you like the way he set it up or not, that you believe God is the source of everything or not, we are all making judgments of Jesus. Verse 49, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Who do you think you are, Jesus? Psh, you can't do that. Like, who do I think I am to judge Jesus for forgiving people? It's in there, like, take it, I don't know. I don't know what to do other than to just say, we, we need to get clear. And in this cultural moment, we need this kind of clarity where the scriptures of the living God and the Holy Spirit are showing us a better way. Forgiveness over judgment. But here's the thing, we don't have to stay there. The question of this text, in my opinion, and as we're looking at this, is will we move past our judgments and be a people of forgiveness? Will we move past our judgments and be a people of forgiveness? Now, here's an interesting thought. If you have ever forgiven somebody, I'd like for you to raise your hand. Okay, look at all the hands going up. This is good news. Like, this is a remarkable thing. In order to forgive, you actually have to judge. For it to be meaningful, for it to be credible, for it to have healing power, you have to say, you wronged me in this way, and I set you free. Be free in Jesus' name. You are forgiven. Sin cost me something. Be free. We all judge. This is part of being made in the image of God. There's an interesting story in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, where it says God made man and woman in his image, in his likeness. We were all created. We all bear the image of God. Hold that. That's in Genesis 1. That's where the story starts. In Genesis 3, Satan shows up on the scene, tempts Adam and Eve, and deceives them by making them believe they're not like God, that they need to eat of the, tr the tree of the fruit of good and evil. Then they will be able to know and judge, and we chose being the judge. We are all better off if Jesus is the judge because Jesus goes to the cross and swallows up sin and death with forgiveness. Forgiveness over judgment is the way of God's kingdom. Listen, to stay in a posture of judgment will kill you. It's this power of sin and death. It's what it does. Will we move past judgment and be a community of forgiveness? See, life does require us to make judgments. You have to make judgments all the time. Am I going to speed or not? 
Am I going to eat healthy or not? Am I going to spend money over here or not? Am I going to say yes to this or not? Like, we are having to make judgment calls all the time, decisions all the time. God is inviting us to the way of his kingdom because we cannot let our judgments be a barrier to forgiveness. Forgiveness writes a better story. Forgiveness tells that there's a better way, that God's kingdom is working at redemption and life and that it overcomes all this stuff. There is victory in Jesus. This is what forgiveness tells us. See, the gospel of the kingdom invites us to God's way of relating to him and to one another. I will tell you, I love that Jesus has forgiven me. And I love it so much, I want it for everybody. Like, you get forgiveness, and you get forgiveness, and you get forgiveness, and everybody else. So don't stand in the way of it. Do not stand in the way of the work of God's kingdom. The gospel of the good news of Jesus is that forgiveness is more powerful. His love is always coming towards us. His love is always coming towards us in relationship. He wants to walk with us. He wants to be with us. And he's saying, church, show the world what I look like. Show the world what I look like. When Anybody plan to have a dinner party this summer? Please, everybody raise your hand. I hope you get the best dinner party. I hope you are like, I mean, please. And when something comes up at the table, show those friends what forgiveness looks like. Forgiveness invites us to love in a way that there is more love in our life. The more we are forgiven, the more we understand how deeply we are loved. So when we come and receive communion, let the love of God pour into every nook and cranny, every crevice of your life, every story that's been outside of God's best. Let God's love draw it home. The more you are forgiven, the more you are loved. The more you are forgiven, the more you are loved. God's love is generous. His forgiveness is available. Forgiveness anchors us in the generous love of God. Verse 47. Verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Forgiveness is a gift from God. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness is going to frustrate our sensibilities. Our sensibilities are going to be caught up in the collision of this because we're going to think we know better. God, actually, I know better on this topic. Who do you think you are to forgive sins? Who do you think you are to let your kingdom win in this space? And forgiveness is central in our faith journey and is a pathway to peace. If you are here today and you are looking for peace, I believe forgiveness is the path that you need to be on. I believe that God wants to look at you today and say, I love you. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Go in peace. What our world is looking for is peace. And when we, the church, understand that forgiveness comes over judgment and we embrace that more deeply in our lives, when we leave this place, we can go be peace. We can point to peace. And we can say it is a faith story in Jesus. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's what the world needs. We're too busy fighting. 
We're too busy arguing over who's right. We're too busy judging things and thinking that if it's not judged rightly, that somehow the whole world's going to fall apart. It's already fallen apart. The question is, are you looking to the one who's putting it back together? Behold, I'm making all things new. This is the declaration of Jesus and the work of his kingdom. Behold, I am making all things new. That's the judge I want in my life. Judgment is easy. It's so easy. It's just too easy. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness will cost you something. Are we willing to pay the price and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus who gave us everything? Gives us everything. The more I embrace a life of forgiveness, the more deeply loved I know I am. And the more deeply loved I am, the more I will live a life of forgiveness. This is just, un just in all transparency, this is unfolding for me right now. Like in the last weeks, I have experienced God by the Holy Spirit asking me, do I know how much God loves me? And if you ever want to try it, like just come be on our preaching team and stand in front of a room of people and begin to talk and begin to face the fear of your own heart that everyone is judging what you're saying. And do I live in that place and believe that like my whole worth and identity is on whether or not you like what I had to say? Or do I live fully free in front of Jesus going, you know the worst of me. All the stuff I can hide from everybody else. I am fully loved in your presence because your forgiveness flows to me. You love me. May I walk in that more deeply and may that be the declaration and the identity of this community that spreads to our city. Because forgiveness flows from the authority of Jesus. Luke 7 says this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of his kingdom. You are forgiven. Go in peace. On that authority, we can walk and we can say yes and we can point to Jesus and we can point to forgiveness and we can say it is all about being anchored in the love of Jesus. I want to connect this to a couple things. Two weeks ago, we were talking about the reality that we are in a spiritual battle, that the scriptures show us spiritual warfare is real. I think forgiveness is one of the greatest weapons we have in the spiritual battle. In the spiritual battle, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness and the collision for souls, I think forgiveness is a primary weapon in the spiritual battle. It is a, it is a path to redemption, and it is a path to unity. It is a path to peace. All things that I think God is up to in this day and time in our cities and that we need and we long for. Forgiveness is a primary weapon in the spiritual battle. Are you employing it? Are you in that posture? Are you in that kind of humility to walk in forgiveness? It's the way of Jesus. Founder of the Vineyard USA, John Wimber, 
interesting quote that he has in regards to this battle that we're in. We're in a declared war, but unless we're clear about who the enemy is, we'll waste our time fighting enemies that aren't enemies at all. People are not the enemy. Satan and the kingdom of darkness are the enemy. Let this just sink in for just a second. And what we're going to see in just a moment is Ephesians 6 gives us a biblical anchor for this quote. And I, I want to press this a little bit harder for us today. Because I think there is some really important kingdom work that God is doing and he's asking you to be a part of it. And there are places and there are people that you are going to interact with this week that I do not get to. When we see the picture painted of what the ultimate work of God is, is it's this redemption and unity that the new heaven and the new earth is every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Worshiping King Jesus in community. If that's what God is up to, that's what God's up to. And we live in a cultural moment where we need to see the way of Jesus more clearly than the way of a particular media outlet, than the way of a particular political party, than the way of a particular ideology and theory of hate and division. We need to see Jesus. So I have a question for you. In Luke 7, it says, a sinful woman. What was her sin? What do you, like, what was her sin? Like, I, I'm, a, I'm asking you to move your heart and your mind towards Jesus. And pay attention to maybe the things that take over your heart. Was it sexual sin? Was it pride? Was it greed? Was it murder? Whatever it was, Jesus knows, and Jesus was very clear. Your sins are forgiven. This cultural moment that we are in, and when I say cultural moment, I just mean like when I look at the voices that are coming at us, when I look at media, and I look at the economy, and I look at the world that we're in, and I look at this political moment that, just so you know, it's coming at you again and again and again. And I look at uh, conversations around really delicate topics like abortion, and I look at things like mass shootings and the racial pain and, and absolute destruction of this day and time that we're in. I just want to speak from, as like lead pastor of this community from a heart that 
has probably spent more time in prayer about the next four minutes of my talk than any other part of the talk this morning. In our day and time, people are fighting to be right. People are fighting to be right. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom. What this means, church, is every other idea and ideology, every other identity and structure must bow to Jesus. Or you are identifying who is Lord in your life. There is not a political party that owns the fullness of God's kingdom. And if you look at it, we have two primary, and then there's some people in our crowd right now going, but the third is the way. The way is the way. Like, there's a third emerging. Uh, that would be interesting. But just, just look at it. Like, there are two. And there are things that in their best efforts, they want to reflect parts of God, but they don't contain all of God. We need to understand that there are also other global political structures where Jesus is still Lord there. Like, we are not the center of it. The kingdom of God is the center of it. And here's what I know. In the next months and in the next years, you will have to make judgments politically. Make them reverently in the presence of Jesus. Do not let that become your identity. Jesus is Lord or something else is. Someone else is. In a very delicate moment right now where the media is full of conversation around abortion and you see people coming out, the way, John, John 10 says it this way, the, the, the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life abundantly, and that includes mom, and that includes baby, and that includes extended family, and it is complex and it is complicated, and we no matter what judgments we're passing, need to see that there's a path to peace in being people of forgiveness. Statistically speaking, you are a part of a community where this is somebody's story. How loved will they experience you and me and our human love? Because God says, to those who have been forgiven much are loved much. This is the way of my kingdom. Mass shootings. As we come to the table, Luke 23, Jesus on the cross, there are criminals next to him. What was their crime? Was one of them a murderer? Maybe. Probably. And in, in his heart and all the pain and all the destruction that he has carried, he looks at Jesus and says, you are Lord. Remember me when you enter paradise. Remember me. Please, please don't forget. And Jesus says, you will be with me today in paradise. How does that even work? I'm sitting here going, no, Jesus, you got that wrong. I mean, I didn't do that. Because the judgment in me creeps forward and leaps forward at times. And for everybody in this room and online, you should be so glad that I am not the judge. 
you should rejoice that Luke 7 is in the scriptures. And Jesus says, you are forgiven. Go in peace. Go in peace. Because we need a grace and a mercy that is with every single family member who is weeping and grieving that their loved one is now dead. And Jesus says, I have come to destroy the powers of sin and death. Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's verse 11. Here we go in 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but we are to stand as people of the light and of God's kingdom and to push back against the powers and the principalities of darkness. So we speak against racism. We go, no, the God that we serve is every tribe, every tongue, every nation. We are all made in the image of God. And then we are people of forgiveness where that shows itself. So how do we come to the table today? Where do you need forgiveness? See, if we're going to come to communion and we're going to be understanding of God's grace that this is a table, this is a meal where he, Jesus, reclines and is comfortable and he says, come share a meal with me. Come be with me. For everyone who is forgiven much understands that they are loved much. We have all made judgments about our life. Will you come to this table like the woman, the sinful woman, and experience the forgiveness that you need? And every time you come to this table, will you also understand God is saying, come join me in my redemptive, unifying work so that you can extend forgiveness to anyone else who needs it. That we would write a story of forgiveness. Here at the Vineyard, you are welcome to come participate in this meal, even if it's your first Sunday, because we believe this meal is a meal that is shared among family. And if you have faith in Jesus, come. If you are waking up in your life to faith in Jesus, you go, I want to follow a God who forgives like that. Come. Come experience your first meal for an eternity of banquet feasts with a God who loves you. And come weep. And come lay your life down as an offering to say, God, you are worthy of all that I have. Come to this table and say, God, would you remember me in all my crimes, in all my sin, would you remember me? Would you wash me clean? Would you allow me to be a person of peace everywhere I go? I'm going to invite you to stand. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And I think there is a response for us today. And this should take us and inform the life we're living when we leave this place. And it's complicated. And I do not know, and I do not have all the answers, but I do believe we are being invited to experience the kingdom of God here on earth, and may it be so. There are things that need to be made right, and that is the work of Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, and then the table will be open, and you can come receive the bread and receive the cup. And our team's going to lead us in one more worship song, and then I will come close us out. Let's pray this prayer.
out loud together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As you come, receive the bread, Jesus' body given for you. And receive the cup, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. He loves you. He is up to good things. Come and receive everything you need and continue to close our time together through worshiping Jesus as Lord.
invite you to stand together as we close our time and you might want to linger a little bit and that's absolutely great uh, if you're part of our prayer ministry teams I'm gonna invite you to come down front let us become more aware of your presence this is the invitation that we would be aware of the presence of God meeting us where we have need forgiveness and that we would be a tangible presence of God's kingdom in all the places we are, where we work, where we live, the family we're a part of, the friendship circles we're in, that we would see the goodness of God. So I just want to be really clear. If you are experiencing a, a voice inside of you that is one of condemnation, that is not the work of God. John 3.17 says that he didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that through him you might be saved, that the world would be saved. You connect with the woman in the story just know God is pleased to see you come and pour out his love into your life no shame you're met with love and forgiveness whatever you need prayer for today I invite you to come and maybe you just need a quiet moment in your seat stay and linger so God we bless this community that you love more deeply than we know to go and to be a part of these cities that you love more deeply than we know, to be people who will show the way towards forgiveness, that we will point to you, that we will carry peace in our hearts and share it generously around us. And for all the complexities and for all the confusion of this day and time, we ask that you would show us by your spirit how to seek first the kingdom of God, that we would live as Ephesians 6 encourages us to with you as Lord and in your mighty power. So fill us with your Holy Spirit today for everything that's in front of us. May we stand firm in you. In you. Forgiveness over judgment. Show us the way. We love you, Jesus. We bless this family that you love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.